Hey, George Cedarquist here, host of Opera Box Score. Look, I know you want to get to the podcast, so I'm going to keep this short. No, when it comes to things short. Go on. I'm five, five. <laughs> when it comes to opera, we're the only ones bringing you everything you need to know about the art form, the people, and the stories every damn week. And you always pronounce them so well. Check it out. <laughs> five bucks buys an ad on social media, ten bucks covers our website for a month, and twenty bucks makes a hundred lapel pins. So there are like maybe a hundred people in this world that have a lapel pin. So we want to double that number. Seriously, right. 20 bucks. That's less than what Oliver spends each week on light-bodied red wines, whatever they are. <laughs> like Gamay, you know, like a Cru Beaujolais, you know. Don't think it can give? Yes, you can. Simply review us on Apple Podcasts, share our Facebook posts, or retweet us. Most of all, keep listening to America's Talk radio show about opera. Okay, okay. that was too many calls to action. So the main call to action is give us money, because that's obviously how you can help us. The other thing you can do is review us on iTunes, is that what you said? So if you don't feel like giving us money and you don't feel like spending precious time typing, what you can do is just click that share button when you see our post on Facebook and you could like our page, actually. If you like our page, that helps us get to more people because Facebook is evil and it basically helps us see your friends. Most of all, <laughs> keep listening to America's Talk radio show about opera. Enjoy the podcast. And retweet because Toby loves that. <laughs> Enjoy the podcast. Live from Chicago, you're listening to Opera Box Score. Uh, Let's get ready to rumble! Wherever you are, however you're listening, welcome to America's Talk radio show about opera, period. Live in the Lakeside Studio on WNUR 89.3 FM and HD1 Evanston, Chicago. I'm your host, George Cedarquist. Joined this evening by Oliver Camacho and Tobias Wright. All right, tonight we bid farewell and good riddance to OBS co-founder and co-host Tobias Wright. We talk with Tobias about his career before, during, and after opera. We watch in horror as he inducts himself into the OBS Hall of Fame. We listen to some of his favorite performances and look back at some of the highlights and lowlights of his own checkered career on the airwaves plus two minute drill that's around 9 40 or so who do you think gets paid more peter galb at the met or dominique meyer at the vienna state opera and of course you can call us on air get your voice heard 847-866-wnur is our number in studio give us your hot take on the latest opera news stories 847-866-9687 Tweet us at Opera Box or post on our Facebook page as well. I got a feeling that the phone lines are going to be lighting up with some past and current members of our team as well. Oliver Camacho here in the Lakeside Studio. Hello. And Tobias Wright. George, I just want to thank you for giving me an entire hour to reflect on my greatness. (laughs) An hour? You're doing the next four episodes. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Toby, how surprised were you that Joe Burrow won the Heisman? Dude, he was awesome this year. There, I saw a tweet, a guy like four years ago or five years ago tweeted, he's like, Ohio State's so good that their fifth-string quarterback could win the Heisman. <laughs> and that was Joe Burrow. <laughs> Fast forward, you know, he completed yeah. his eligibility there, and then he transfers to LSU and wins the Heisman. And that guy retweeted himself and was like, nailed it. <laughs> <laughs> and this guy was a total nobody. He's yeah, just a student. Yeah, yeah, I thought yeah. that was awesome. He won- but did you see in his speech, he's from like rural Ohio. Yeah. And he talked about like kids growing up hungry and poverty, and and I mean this is a guy like total white privilege, but he mentioned all of this and like the kids growing up hungry. He's like, this could be you someday. He's like, you just put Classy. your nose down, work hard. And since then, 
there's been a couple GoFundMe's that have raised like 200 grand for for the food pantries. In those, but how many Heisman's do they give out a year? They give out one. one. Uh, it's okay. for the best player in college football. Okay, just I, one I Heisman. Know what it is. I'm just joking. OJ like, Simpson <laughs> won one. But no, but just to give kids that type of hope. I mean, yes, work hard oh, and like I endeavor see. for something and don't be a loser is what he's trying to say. But really, there's only one Heisman a year. There is only one Heisman. Yeah, they're probably not going to win the Heisman. Yeah. <laughs> but now they have SpaghettiOs. Oh, no, I shouldn't say that. Oh, my God. I just made fun of pa- Oh, God. The the Chiefs also were playing in the snow. The Kansas City yesterday. Super Patrick Mahomes Chiefs are going to win more games this year. I was watching the Bears-Packers game, and my kids will get to that later in the show, and they showed the highlights of um, Toby Sport in the hat, by the I way, do have for a the Chiefs. Chiefs hat on. Uh, they watched saw the halftime highlights of the Chiefs. They had, you know... Um, snow blown the the field so hash you marks. See it. Yeah. yeah, it was. It's rare to see that. It was. Was disgusting. it snowing that hard? It was snowing so hard, like the TV cameras couldn't. You couldn't see the ball. Nice. It I was like awesome. It. Let's do it. it was Talk some opera. And now, ladies and gentlemen, this is OBS Hall of Famer, our enthusiastic yet humble. Salute to a distinguished opera artist who has gone above and beyond to contribute greatly, distinctively, and with grand significance to the art and honor of opera. Thanks, Norm. Of opera broadcasting, I suppose we should say. Tobias Wright, it's the farewell show. So, all right, Toby, you're, you're not singing anymore. I'm not. And I don't think I've ever disclosed that information on our show. Hmm. Um... So, you know, I, I did my undergraduate in music and then I did my master's degree at Northwestern. And like most people who are on that track, I immediately was like, well, great. I'll, you know, pick up, you know, I'll, I'll do low paying gigs as I work my way through the young artist ranks um, and kind of see where it takes me. And I would say I had it a little more um, of a non-traditional trajectory that allowed me to really put roots down in Chicago. I had like a home company, if you will, with Chicago Fringe Opera, where I was constantly getting to explore different things, work with you, um, George, and awesome people. And so like my network in Chicago was really strong. Um, and then I kept getting rehired by the same young artist programs. But um, I kind of made a decision. Uh, I looked myself in the mirror and it wasn't so much of whether I could, but whether or not I should. And, um, you know, being in a relationship with someone um, where it was serious and life starts looking at you and then I have student loan debt coming out my ass, I was kind of like, what am I really doing? And this, so I was doing an audition last December and I already had contracts, um, great contracts lined up for this year. Um, I won't mention them because I quit them all and they probably hate me. So I'm blacklisted (laughs) anyway. Um, And I walked out of an audition where these guys were, you know, I said I was singing so well and I was so enthused and I realized I didn't really want to go for eight weeks. These guys were on their phones ordering Jimmy John's or God knows what pianist was playing, who knows how. And I just like I walked out of the audition and I said, huh, I think that was it for me. And and very specific moment. It was a very specific moment. And you know what? I got to tell you, it was like I'm only sad now. I was never it, at that point like the last year has been a total just absolute blur because I decided and I'm the kind of person who when I make a decision it's done. And that's both great and not great. Um you know as with many things. And so that seafood burrito, that was a poor decision. Poor, <laughs> poor decision. Did I try it again to make sure? Yeah, also a poor decision. <laughs> um 
but you know, I I decided to go in a different um, a different direction, and it's been such a wonderful blessing. You're not doing a radio show anymore, of course, as well. But but opera is still important to you, right? Absolutely. How and why is that? So. It changed. I mean, I've waxed poetic about you know Pavarotti and how I d- how it it was introduced to me, uh, and my whole life changed with a recording of Pavarotti singing La Boheme in 1979 at La Scala with Frady, and um, I mean there hasn't been a day since that recording, and that was you know well over a decade ago, um, that I haven't thought of, listened to, sang, pursued, or just been in love with the art form. Um, and now it's kind of cool because I'm in a situation where my partner is very, very much involved and I don't, I won't go into specifics, but we're actually moving across the country. We're relocating. Um, so this is more life change, but we're relocating so she can be a part of a, an arts organization. So we're still very much involved. I still love going to performances and it's just in a different capacity now that I get to love the art form and stress-free. I'm no longer worried when I wake up whether or not my passaggio's <laughs> screwing with me that day. Or if, if I cough, I'm like, great, fine. Also, I can eat spicy food now and not worry about that. <laughs> like, it's things like that. Seafood burrito, man. <laughs> See, it's what I'm saying. Yeah, because- it is, um, you know, and so there's different ways and reasons that I love it. Um, but the the career side of it just didn't add up with who I felt, I what, uh, what I wanted out of my life. Take us through some of the musical highlights not even from your own career, but that you've come across. Okay, so that's what my Hall of Fame is. I, that was like my sad thing is I quit singing and I'm moving cross country by friends. Um, and and it's, it, it hasn't been as easy as I just described it. There have been many nights where, you know, there were tears and, and just what have I really done and what was this investment for? But I think the investment into opera and the investment into education put me exactly where I am and positioned me to go where I'm going to go. And so win, win, win all the way across the board. And every performance I did, every young artist program I did, I think I counted it up. I think I've done like 78 different productions. I did like 30 leading Jeez. roles, over 180. Like, I mean, I did a sh- lot of performing. I can't cuss, <laughs> even though it's my final <laughs> show. Nope. Um, like, I lit this awesome little chapter of my life, and it's like I have you and people that are listening to this who who know me. Um that I get to keep forever. And like, I, George, I think you know this. Oliver, I think you know this. I'm kind of a collector of people. And that's how yeah. I love my yeah. life to be is like, I want the characters. I want to be a character. And I want those friendships to always last. And so like, that's all good. Anyway, so my Hall of Fame isn't a Hall of Fame. Sorry to disappoint everybody. It's like really the self-masturbatory <laughs> thing for the next 20 <laughs> minutes about what made me love opera and continue to pursue it. And so the first song, um, it's Pavarotti. If you've listened to the show, you know I love Pav. Um, and <laughs> this is... Uh, an art song and this was the first art song that I ever sang where I got to go like above my passaggio and so I got to sing uh, the A here Nina Ramenta of Tosti's L'Ultima Canzone and this is Pavarotti and he's singing this and uh, this is on the Johnny Carson show with John Woosman on the piano and John Woosman and I got to coach this very song um, and it, so I've always I will always always treasure the fact that the same notes that you're hearing with the greatest singer of all time, fight me, I can say these things now, um, the same notes from the piano were also played in a room with me with the same person. So it's like kind of this like, you know, seven degrees of Kevin Bacon. This is like one degree of Pavarotti. (laughs) 
Do you like that? Do you like? Did you uh, do you ever sing Tosti or listen? Uh, Tosti to? was one of the first composers of my, uh, of my youth. <laughs> of my youth. <laughs> yeah, my um, my voice teachers were not so keen on me learning those twenty-four Italian arias that everybody learns. Mm -hmm. So the first art songs that I sang were Tosti songs. Yeah, so. same, similar. I, I think I think I maybe sang like one of the twenty-four Italian art yeah. arias and art songs, but it was all. Yeah. Tosti. I love Tosti. So I sang La Serenata. I sang Abukella. Oh, I yeah. sang Tristezza. I lear learned the song. It's too hard. <laughs> yeah. I learned it. So. Um, I This song, <laughs> it was so funny. I mean, there's actually a lot of text in it. So it was great yeah. for that. It was great to learn the text, learn the yeah. line. And I'm getting the passaggio. The way the 24 Italian artists don't help you with that at all. No, you know, no. But these songs do. So Yeah, I, I loved yeah, it was kind of like a it'll it's a it's a lifelong love when you find someone like that, and I feel the same about Poulenc, yeah. um, and, and Schubert as well. I mean, those those are songs that I mean you just fall in love with. But uh, I can remember hearing someone practice this song in a practice room in my undergrad, and they were singing Nina Ramenta, and I was like, I looked in the the room and had a little window, and I was like, what is that song? <laughs> and then I I went back and I was like library printed <laughs> it, and I was like. Check this shit out. Yeah, like, let's go. And yeah. so that was kind of how I fell in love with that. Th okay, so the next one. I've talked about this on the show. George, it really, w I don't even know. We don't even have to play it, really. It's Fritz Wunderlich singing Die Spildnis. And in my opinion, um, and Oliver, you're a tenor as well. So, I mean, singing Die Spildnis, I think when people say Mozart is great for young singers, I think that's total BS. I think it just really teaches you what you're really not good at. It doesn't make you better. It's kind of death by tessitura. Um, but Despiltness is an aria that I, I actually love. And it happens early in the opera. It's, you know, Tamino. It's just a beautiful, lovely piece of music. And I, my funny story about this aria, I learned it probably when I was 22. You know, I'm in my 30s now. I offered it at every single audition. Okay. I ever sang. Yeah. Why? One time I was I ever asked to sing it. <laughs> because I mean you got to have something that was German and like y there was only one time that I was ever even consider in consideration for being a Tamino and that's when I sang it. Yeah. I think it went all right, but I ripped my pants that day on the stage. So that was knows? not so good probably. Yeah, not so great. Didn't get the job. Okay. So. Now you know. <laughs> anyway, this is he sings this I think it's from like 1961, I don't really know, but he's everybody should know this video if you're a tenor or an opera fan and it's where he looks, it's a studio audience, so it's not from a performance, it's a live performance but not an opera. And he stares as it he like gives the accompanist this look right before he begins and it's like the most smug, handsome hmm. Fritz Wunderlich <laughs> look where he's like these people in the audience have no idea what perfection they're about to hear. <laughs> wow. The reason I chose that segment, there were, and, and you listen and you don't know it, but then when you break it down, there was 
five different colors, I would say, at least three different volumes. There was Roboto. He did everything. And yeah. we listened to less than 40 seconds of music. We listened to three phrases. And you heard Passaggio, above Passaggio, below. You heard colors. You heard shaping. Legato for days. <laughs> yeah. For days. Yeah. And, and like, it was truly, in my opinion, one of the most beautiful recordings of sung music that exists is that recording of him singing that aria. And so I used to listen to it like to pump me up, not not even for like auditions. Like <laughs> I could be doing anything that I was like, I need perfection. Boom, Fritz. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. To give you something not even to work for, but just to know that like some this was possible in this art form that we know and love. Such such a performance was possible. Well, I think I realized pretty early on as a singer that I wasn't Fritz Wunderlich. I wasn't Franco Corelli, but those were voices and sounds that I loved. And so I wasn't always trying to emulate that. And especially when something's that great, this is how I know I'm going to love opera forever, is that even as a singer, I would listen to that, and I wasn't like, how can I do that? I was like, man, that's incredible. And so you just enjoy it for the beauty that it is, right? I mean, you can't really... It's one thing to like try and grow up and be LeBron James, but there's a certain part of that that you don't control. There's a lot that you do. And so that was something, you know, you as a singer, you always, you control what you control. You rep what you can rep. But, I mean, at the end of the day, LeBron's six foot nine, 260 pounds, and he didn't choose that. Right. Fritz didn't choose that. That's, what who, that's who he was. And yeah. so that's why I think yeah. that recording is incredible. Yeah. Yeah, it's a good metaphor as well. Um, I guess we could just, what do you want? So I have three more on the list. If somebody wants to pick, here, I'll tell you. If you can call in and want to tell. We have Ian Bostrich singing Canticle Number no. 3 from Britain, Still Falls the Rain. This was on my master's recital. This really opened up angular, new English music to me. And that's what I ended up singing. Let's do it. You want to hear it? Yeah. Okay, great. So, like, that kind of, uh, when I was researching for my master's recital and found this, I mean, it just kind of, uh, that gave me the confidence to sing with different, just different sounds. You know what I mean, Oliver? I don't know. No, I know. It's like, um, Ian Bostrich works a lot with, um, I mean, his voice is in a bel canto voice, mm -hmm. you know? Mm -hmm. He works a lot with language and also with sort of, like, overtones in his voice, you know? And like, And when you sing contemporary music you have to sing with a slightly different technique everything can't be approached the way you would approach bel canto you know right and especially when you're trying to emphasize text you have to be willing to use different colors and different parts of your voice and i th and i think just discovering this piece which no it's not an opera um but topically it was something that i was very interested in um i think the text is phenomenally set and it it really 
forces the singer, you know, all those different techniques that you're talking about, you're quite bare. You're uh, exposed. Mm -hmm. um, and so I had to learn. One of the things that I always struggled with as a young singer was like adrenaline. Mm -hmm. And that's why I wanted to sing like toasty, like big, loud Italian, but not quite. Yeah. An and like this kind of makes you be exposed and find confidence and, um, and trust what your, what your sound is that's coming out rather than pushing it. Um, yeah, well, it's I guess in your native language too, right? So like yeah. you really have a connection to the words and what you're saying, and it, you have that extra effort in communicating what it is to an audience, which is going to speak. Yeah, that when same you language. when you're singing a foreign language, it's sort of like a one level disconnect. So that true, safety, you know, yeah. for mm -hmm. for you, you know. Yeah, it's a mask. Yeah, something to hide behind. Okay, so we do we have time for one more? We do have time for one more. Take us out. Okay, I'm gonna skip the. I was gonna include a woman because this is more like. Um, things that made me fall in love with opera. So I was going to play uh, Don Delieta uh, from La Boheme. That was kind of my first big contract, professional contract, was being in La Boheme. And I had no part. I was just there and had funny facial hair. Um, <laughs> and How things have changed, <laughs> Tobias. <laughs> um, but I, the reason that I wanted to play that was, one, because it's just a stupidly awesome moment. But okay. also it was a recording of Eileen Perez. And so, you know, just opera being a funny uh, little adventure you know having the opportunity to, through opera box score to meet and madly flirt with eileen perez good for you <laughs> and then i don't know if we ever shared this with the listeners i probably did like 12 times but like <laughs> we we had a little instagram romance so you say <laughs> her publicist you mean her pub yeah 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 that was a bot yeah well Anyway, so I'm going to skip that. Um, we're so gonna, we're going to go the, the last go one. Go out the way you came in. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> going out loud. Um, Franco Corelli. It's, and I, this is from, you know, I, when I discovered this aria, um, it was probably two sizes too big, but that didn't stop me from trying it every single day, trying to make it fit and trying to make it beautiful. And I ultimately, I think this is, it's one of those arias that I will always just feel like, if I miss singing, this is what I'm going to like roll up and be like, all right, I'm going to sing this song. It's Donna Non Vidi Mai from Manon Let's Go. And we're going to take it out of this segment with this clip from Tobias, right? Of course, the phones are actually ringing off the hook right now with tributes for Tobias. Wait, no, sorry. Those are just your grinder notifications. <laughs> Keep it locked right here on America's Talk Radio about opera. It's WNUR 89.3 and HD1 Evanston, Chicago. Live from Chicago, you're listening to Opera Box Score.
More right after this. Support for Opera Box Scores provided in part by Boston Early Music Festival. Bam whose new recording of Handel's first opera, Elmira, is now on sale. Written when the composer was only 19, Elmira... And George was only 13. <laughs> Drink. Elmira tells a story of intrigue and romance at the court of Castile. Hello, I'm from Boston. Don't park your car in Harvard Yard. Wow. Is my accent a remarkable success when it was originally presented in Hamburg, the opera shows the early genius of Handel that would soon make him a star in Italy and London. Grammy-winning musical directors Paul, Paul Odette <laughs> and Stephen Stubbs Lead an exceptional cast featuring Amirka Barat. Bob, she's the only person that's been mentioned in two ads. <laughs> Amirka Barat's in the title role, Amanda Forsyth, future friend of the show, as the Princess Adelia, Colin Balser as Fernando, Christian Imler as Consalvo, Zachary Wilder, future friend of the show, as Osman, Jesse Blumberg as Raimondo. I think he was on the show we I really yes. like this future friend of the show that we have going on here. We speak it into existence. I'm a big believer. <laughs> Teresa Wakeham as Belante and John uh, Jan Kobau as Tabarco. They are joined by concertmaster Robert Mealy and the 32-member Bamf Bamf Orchestra. 32 players. 32. Okay, you're going to get your money's worth on that. There's a lot of people on this recording. I'll bet. Yeah. Save 20% on your copy of Elmira with the code Holiday Holiday Sale. So that's all one, all one word, Holiday Sale, until December 19th. Use the code Holiday Sale to save 20% at Bamf Bamf.org slash recordings. I feel like they needed a better holiday code on this one. The like holiday, holiday sale. Holiday sales. I wanted like a play on words with like handle or you got to think of the clientele yeah. trying to type in a I'm website. I'm sweating here trying <laughs> exactly. to think of this. is why opera's and they failing. And they can't type in Hanukkah because nobody knows if it has a C in it. I can't spell it's it. K's. <laughs> so for now it's just holiday sale. Holiday sale, yes. Remember, Bamf.org slash recordings. Huddle up. Let's go inside the huddle. Hey, it's George Cedarquist on Opera Box Score, America's talk radio show, along with Oliver Camacho and Tobias Wright. Tobias Wright, a dear friend of mine, a dear friend of Oliver, a co-founder of this show, doing his final appearance on the show as well. And, his uh, final in-person appearance. My final, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I do have a feeling we're going to get you on the phone as well. I think well, that'll happen. You might be the resident, uh, that part of America expert, you know? The other person I, could, <laughs> I could do that. <laughs> we have on the phone is the very first person that, to, Toby, that you and I joined forces with, Giovanna Jacques. Hi. Giovanna Jacques! <laughs> We're finally back Hi, on Opera Box Score together. <laughs> Oh my gosh! Welcome back, but also bye. I know, I know. <laughs> it's been a, it's been a quick, uh, yeah. It's been an interesting last few months in my life, but it's all good yeah, stuff. Yeah, I can it's, imagine. It's all happy stuff, you know. Giovanni, yeah. what do you remember from like the very first couple episodes that we did? If you remember anything, I do. Yes, I do have somewhat of a memory. And I know that the very first one was actually in your former apartment on Sunnyside, right, George? <laughs> That's right. And I remember your kids were running around and you were super nervous that it was going to be on the air. And then we moved it to my studio and we did a few episodes in my studio. I was sitting on my bed and you guys each had a chair and we moved my little table to the center and we just did it. We did. We did the show. It was like unbearably hot. I seem to recall. In the no, studio. We had to, was, no, and we had to in keep in my studio. Yeah, 
it was, was fine. It? The, the, the weather was. She's a woman. She it doesn't. Probably because I was there. Temper, temperatures are <laughs> hey. felt different by women. So. It All right. Was definitely All right. because De- of that. So so here we go. So um, Giovanna and Tobias, I want to play you a clip from that very oh, first Lord. show. How far we've come. Okay. <laughs> Live from Chicago, you're listening to Opera Box Score with George, Tobias, and Giovanna. Chalk Talk on Opera Box School. We are back on Opera Box Score. Thanks for hanging out with us tonight. We are on every other Monday evening, so that would be once a fortnight here on 89.3 WNUR. Uh, just finished up some PS days there. Just finished up our segment Instant Replay. Uh, Tobias, you were hating it. And then you were loving it. Tell, talk At me some point, it. okay, well, one, that is one of my favorite arias of all time. And for the listeners, if you enjoy that, I really encourage you to listen to Mario Lanza sing it. And there's a lot of people, opera snobs, who are like, Mario Lanza. Yes, he was a movie star in the 50s, but he just had a gorgeous voice. And all humanity that he may have failed at aside, what an amazing instrument. And we were blessed to have him. Anyway, it's one of my favorite arias. And then you started to play that monstrosity there at the... Afterward, <laughs> and I was upset with you, George, because I was like, I was never getting those three minutes back. And then the disco beat happened. Correct. And now I want that song to follow me everywhere I go. This is when we had listened to this version of um, Reedy Pagliacci. Okay, we're which... back. We're back into the real world now. Thank you. Yeah, your voices have not changed. I was like, wait, are we live? What happened? Dobie still hasn't broken, is what you mean? Uh, we, we were listening to that cover version of Reedy Pagliacci by that hard rock right. band. I forgot and about the that disco thing, and yeah. Crazy. Oh man, I hadn't forgotten about it. I don't think I can. <laughs> you can't wash that away from your brain. <laughs> no, it's permanently etched there. Giovanna, oh, a, a final, a final wish for Tobias before we uh, we let you go and let him go. Oh, Toby, you are such a light, and Chicago has been so lucky to have you, and Denver is going to be even luckier to have you because mm. you will just light up every room you walk into and everyone's life that you are a part of. So you are far too kind and, and I feel the same about you and I love you so very much and thank you for calling in to rejoin oh, us as so a welcome. as a co-host here and co-creator <laughs> and co-conspirator <laughs> on Opera Box Corps. <laughs> Thanks, Giovanna. Uh, you're welcome. Have a good night. Ciao. Bye. Bye. Oh my gosh, blast from the past. Giovanna, it's true. It, and the show was every other fortnight back then. I forgot about Gosh, that. Yeah. Just because I think, like, the initial, when we when we came up with the idea for this show and we were a few whiskeys in, I, fe- I think we feared that there may not be enough content. Lo and behold, there's definitely. <laughs> Phone's ringing yet again. Oh, I've got a bad God. feeling. Is this is this Weston? Oh, how did you get? <laughs> Weston Williams. I see what's happening here. This is fun. Oh. Weston Williams joining us from a remote island in the Pacific or something. Long time listener, first time caller. <laughs> Weston, do you remember the very first show you were on with Toby? Oh God, do I? Um, oh, you sure blocked it out. Blur. Okay, I get it. When I usually, what happens is, uh, well, in those early days, what happened was I would just come in and I would see. Uh, George sitting there next to Oliver, next to Matt, and next to Toby. And then right next to all of them was the giant cardboard cutout of Franco Corelli that I was supposed to be replacing. <laughs> you did it. That's all I remember. You've done admirably in that in that capacity. 
I remember, Weston, you joined the show, and I was so glad that we had someone <laughs> that wasn't going to be talking out of their butt about things that were uh, written post-1950. <laughs> and so I was also really intimidated by your intellect because I'm kind of like the dumb, cuddly puppy on this show. And then, and so I, like, fake everything. Like, I don't know crap about crap. And then you come in, and I'm like, uh-oh, I have to really, like, be on my game. And it was kind of hilarious and wonderful. Well, I like to think that I've taught you everything that you know, of course. Uh, but uh, <laughs> yeah, I Screw hope those you degrees you got. Yeah. <laughs> those degrees meant nothing. <laughs> Weston, I, I, def- definitely one thing that you could not have, have taught Oliver was anything about sports. And I, I mean that in the <laughs> nicest possible way. I want to play a clip from This Is Our Show back in 2018 when we did the World Cup of Opera. <laughs> oh, classic. This was, I can't, who won? Do you remember who won? It was Italy won. Um, well, France France won the actual World Cup. Okay. No, 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 not yeah. that. I mean the, oh, our the opera box score. Yeah. I oh. think it was. I think I it was wasn't France. part of that. That was too sporty for me. So <laughs> no, you weren't. You weren't. Well, check out check out the clip. This is as we go into like the semifinals. It's true. Oliver's out of town this week. George Cedarquist here with. Tobias Wright, Matt Cummings, and Weston Williams on Upper Box Score. We took the World Cup Final 16 bracket, and we looked at those countries and said, who would beat who in terms of opera? We're down to our semifinalists, Russia against England and France versus Belgium. Can I just say this is bizarre in that three of the actual semifinalists in the World Cup are in our bracket? (laughs) This is very predictive. And I love that the one that isn't is Russia. Right. And and Russia would be here if they hadn't lost in a penalty shootout to Croatia. I'm just saying. Penalty shootouts are kind of weird. They're the if worst. If Toby had known more about Croatian opera, this no, never would have happened. You. There's, there's there's, I don't think there's much know. more to know. <laughs> so, Goodbye to all of our Croatian <laughs> listeners. So here we go. First semifinal, Russia against England. How are we going to decide a winner in this clash of the Titans? I like this round, actually. Because there's, I think the contributions to opera vastly different like what you mm-hmm. said george yeah. it's so historically significant in russia and though it is currently obviously thriving there england is what we listen to now mm-hmm. english mm. music is what we listen to now and that's what is driving younger audiences to go listen to so and we're back in the present moment again on opera box score we're doing a couple uh blasts from the pasts here that was our 2018 show when we were doing the world cup of opera and you heard the moment where we lost Every single Croatian listener we've ever had. We lost all two Croatians. I have very few regrets, but that was one of them. (laughs) Weston, you got any final words of wisdom or advice for Tobias here? Uh, Enlighten me. Again, I think I've taught him everything that he needs to know about uh, (laughs) opera post-1975. But I do want to say, just, you know, really from the heart, I really, really enjoyed Uh, every episode we were on together and uh, I really do wish you luck in all of your endeavors even though you're abandoning us and I would also ask that if you uh, inevitably start up your own rival opera podcast that you make sure it doesn't compete with ours as much as you can yeah I will remember that you're my no compete clause and thank you Weston (laughs) you've been a tremendous um, addition to the show and, and I've appreciated you so much so so much love to you thank you my man Thank you, Toby. I miss you already. Ciao, Weston. See you uh, on the next show. (laughs) See you next week. It's rare that you guys are actually on the same show, so let's be real. I um, 
I'm really glad you're not playing some of the clips where I like wasn't at all prepared. Like, cool. Like, there's been a few times where I've said some stuff. Like, there's some times I put my foot in my mouth and, like... It's eh. entertaining, Tobias. Eh. It's not bad radio. It's just it's just entertaining. It's probably true. Matt Cummings cannot be on the show tonight. He is Shocking. slaving over a hot rehearsal piano somewhere, but he did write in. Matt also made me a cheesecake for my birthday uh, last week. And, well, dang. Um, it was amazing. This it was amazing. <laughs> Matt and I are best friends. I what, love him. What flavor of cheesecake? I um so he okay. Matt's love language is service, is acts of mm. kindness. You know what I mean? And so right. it it would be like offensive to him if I was like, Matt, don't do anything. And so I I learned this in our years of friendship and living with him. So I don't I didn't like deny him. He was like, What do you want for your birthday? And so I was like mixing the best of both worlds. I know he loves to bake. Last year he made me an Oreo stuffed cheesecake Jeez. when we were still roommates. It was ridiculous. You're still working that off, probably, I, man. Well, right? look at these moves. And then <laughs> this year is just a regular cheesecake. Classic. You're, you're, Matt wrote to me and <laughs> he's and too kind. Here's what he said. To the one and only Tobias Wright, you've been here since the beginning, and it's wild to think of an opera box score without you. In fact, the only reason why I ever even appeared on the show in the first place is because you invited me as a guest. I'm still pretty sure it was a convoluted plot to get yourself out of <laughs> having to take an Oliver-constructed pop quiz on the air ever again. <laughs> mission, mission accomplished. <laughs> Putting aside how much I'm going to miss you personally, which is a lot, don't get me wrong, your presence on this show will be a difficult void to fill. Your experience in the industry as a singer, deep love of the art form, and insight is surpassed by the empathy and humanity that shines through absolutely everything you say on this show. Your willingness to Listen, curiosity, and uncanny ability to connect with anyone who is willing to do an interview for the show, plus basically any other human and some inanimate objects, are qualities <laughs> that I admire not just as a co-host but as a friend. I hope whoever reads this on the show does a better job of keeping it together than I. Even writing it, I'm having some, shall we say, feelings and not the Corelli singing Trovatore kind, more the Leontine Price at the end of Butterfly kind. I wish you luck, but I know you don't need it because you're going to be just fine. But, hey, why not do it anyway for good measure? Here's to you. I can't wait to see what's next for you. I teared up. You should, man. <laughs> you should. <hear laughs> Valedictorian here. Am I right, Oliver? Like, uh, Matt Cummings, he knows how to turn a phrase. It's a, he's a good writer. He's a, he's a very smart guy. He's very sensitive. And he's a, he's a good cook, I understand. Or are you the best cook in the household? When you guys were together, no, he's not a good. Sorry, cook. I'm like compared compared to yeah. those pies that Tobias was talking about. I I can't imagine how. I don't think of Tobias. I don't think of you as a cook. I love to cook. I didn't say you didn't like love to cook. Um, I said I don't think of you as being any good at it. I can mess around and whip together some pretty good stuff. Very uh, that, nice. Anyway, Matt's one of my favorite humans that I've ever humaned before. Yes. I mean, like there, I there's nothing that I can say that's even going to come close to that, but. That's great. Yeah. We're saying goodbye to Tobias Wright on the show tonight. We're going to step aside for one second. We are. And then we will come back with a final call. Oh, okay. And then we'll go straight into the two-minute drill. Stick around on WNUR 89.3 FM and HD1, Evanston, Chicago. This is Opera Box Score with George Cedarquist, Tobias Wright, Matt Cummings, Weston Williams, Ashley Hardgrave, and Oliver the Man Camacho, live from Chicago. You're listening to Opera Box Score.
More right after this. Listed, this is great, listed as must-listen podcast for opera by Playbill. Week after week, Opera Box Score is talking to opera's most important players, aggregating all the news in the week and amplifying the best work in a crowded field. If you're new to the show, look back in our, archi- in our archives and hear interviews with the likes of artistic director of Opera Humboldt's Opa Alright, ready? If you're new to the show... Look back in our archives to hear interviews with the likes of artistic director of Opera Omaha's One Festival, James Dara, Grammy-winning conductor, Michael Christie, and Baroque diva, Emuka Barat. It's way more exciting than watching the Bears-Packers game the other day. It is. That defined a new level of mediocrity for our Chicago All I, Bears. It was as soon as the Bears had a chance. It was how can Mitch Trubisky screw this up. Also, this banter, I can't read. This is how the show really goes. Impress the date you take to the opera by listening to our OBS Hall of Fame segments where we take a deep dive into the works and artists that you need to know. Toby, didn't you induct yourself into the Hall of Fame I once? did, and you need to know that. And if you don't have time to keep Keep up with all the news from Opaland. Jump right to the two-minute drill. Our team's hot takes on the week's opera headlines, including who's getting fired and hired in the fast-paced world of opera. Fast-paced world of opera. <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> Access the complete archives by adding Opera Box Score to your podcast favorites or just stream it from the Opera Box Score page on SoundCloud. Huddle up. Let's go inside the huddle. Thanks for hanging out with us tonight on Opera Box Scorch, George Cedarquist with Oliver Camacho, Tobias Wright saying farewell to him, and yet another caller on the line, our newest co-host, one of our dearest, Ashley Hardgrave. Hello, darling. Oh. How are you? Hello. Ashley, we've been having a grand old time roasting Tobias. So let's let's start with something humiliating and insulting. Take it away, Bring Ashley. Bring it on. <laughs> Bring it on. Ooh. Do your worst. Oh, this is challenging because I I am so fond of my sweet sweet Toby. I will say that uh, it, it's not a roast, but it's something that I take pride in. I take pride. I'm on speaker. I'm going to turn this off for a second. Um, I take pride in being the person who introduced him to our Queen Lizzo, and I think that's something that is going to fortify <laughs> him as he moves on his next adventure. So uh, for that, my darling, you are welcome. Thank you. She's overtaken many parts of my life. <laughs> Honey, she's overtaken everything she's ever gotten her hands on because she's that good. So you're welcome. Uh, that's hilarious. Um, Ashley, I think, you know, it's kind of funny. We've We've now listened to a clip from, um, you know, our very first show. And I've joked that we had a a few whiskeys when we conjured up this idea and and George pitched it to me. Um, And we've come so far. And having your voice as part of this show moving forward, I'll be honest with you. I think, you know, when you have a show that's gone on this long and the, the, the material is the same, the opera is the same essentially um and so i kind of felt we were stagnant and i feel so lucky to have had you join us because you have given us an energy boost and a voice that we desperately wanted and we are so lucky that you are part of our family and so while we like we don't have a ton of history together that's I cannot say more about what I think about what you've brought to this show and just who you are as a woman. And there's a lot of love behind that. And I hope you know that. Oh, I do. That's so wonderful, sweetheart. Thank you. Uh, and I, you know, I was going to mention, cause I know there's been a, there's been some roasting, a little bit of a love fest. One of the things that I 
love most about my sweet, sweet Toby is that he has uh, he has a really strong musicianship bone. I mean, he's very talented. That's clear. But I think one of the things that I respect the most about him is his emotional intelligence towards the art form itself and about the things that he loves and his honest adult relationship with the art form. <laughs> and I think it's so wonderful to see you in a place where you know exactly what you want, you know exactly what you don't want, and which hustle is yours. And that's one of the things that makes me so excited because it wasn't that long ago, just on one of our, our handful of drives back down towards the city post show when we were talking about kind of settling into what matters and what we want out of life. And as much as I'm sad to see you, you know, I'm, I'm going to be sad to not see you every week. I know that this move is part of what's pushing you more towards the new phase and what matters in your life. And that's what excites me so much about this for you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I'm like all sad now. <laughs> Just, everybody sad, needs to make man. fun of me more. I wasn't sad then. Then we <laughs> read Matt's worry. thing, we, and Weston we'll made me feel we'll it. Fun you. And Ashley and Yvonne. I'm just like, all right. Okay. Ashley, thank you so much for checking in, my friend. Thank Absolutely. you for calling. All right, you guys be good. Make good choices. I'll see you next week or the week after. <laughs> make good I love that. <laughs> good luck with that, Tobias. Ah. Uh, Stellar. We're lucky. So before we go into the two-minute drill, I just wanted to share something uh, which may not seem like it relates to this whole Toby Love Fest, but um, sort of the reason why we went this direction with this show, which maybe doesn't apply to all of our listeners, is to understand the arc of um, a career and a passion even when you decide that the next thing for you is to go a different direction. And I'm going to read something uh, from soprano Catherine Dane. She's a Netherlands-based soprano who uh, posted on Facebook just a couple of days ago a response to... Wait, Toby leaving the show? She posted? <laughs> um, uh, in response to a Joyce DiDonato video, which has been making the rounds again. It's actually a video that dates back a couple of years. But for whatever reason, it's been making the rounds again. It's, uh, I'll just read, and you'll know what I'm talking about. So a lot of people, I'm, I'm going to begin reading. A lot of people are sharing this interview clip with Joyce DiDonato. She's asked about the best piece of advice she was ever given, and her answer boils down to this. If you can imagine yourself doing any other job, do that instead, because a performance career is just too hard and takes too much from you to be a good choice for any but the most single-minded. And then Catherine goes on to say, can we please put this tired line to bed at last? I've heard this advice so many times, but I find it poisonous, even when given with such with some nuance, as Joyce DiDonato does, and directly related to both public disinterest in the arts, because they must be some mysterious there must be some mysterious higher calling that only a few can understand, and also to the high rate of burnout, poor mental health, and even suicide among artists. I know a handful of artists who genuinely couldn't imagine doing anything else with their days. Fine, good for them, but mostly the people I work with have lots of varied interests, loves cultivated friendships. They're capable of well-rounded, they're capable and well-rounded folks who could excel in many different fields, but who repeatedly choose year after year to continue de dedicating their working lives to something ephemeral, difficult, competitive, undervalued, and deeply important. The career really does ask a tremendous amount of dedication, skill, and commitment from us. But if all we have is our passion for the art form and the career drains it, what's left? We absolutely need to have other passions to replenish ourselves in many ways. It is vital that those of us making art are also aware and deeply interested in the rest of the world around us, in other forms, in other people, in other struggles. Can we reframe this whole discussion, please? How about this? If you can imagine doing something else other than art, wonderful. Keep doing it, with or without the art. 
If you continue to try to make art your career, great. You'll probably be really discouraged at times, and it's okay to reorient later or walk away or make a different choice. But that doesn't mean you weren't passionate enough or didn't have something unique to contribute. If you keep at it, fantastic. But be real. Live how you need to live and make your art and love your people. And for heaven's sake, don't be single-minded that you look around one day and realize that you haven't invested in any other part of your life. There's so much good that can be done with art. So many lives turn rich, and there's not only one way to have a career. With this kind of talk, we risk even further alienating anyone with a healthy interest or even further de devaluing anyone who's doing good work at places other than the Met. Why are we our own worst enemies? Why do we continue to believe and repeat the crap that old-school New York teachers say? Life is both too long and too short for this nonsense. I want that damn book, whatever that's from. <laughs> I want that. That was brilliant, Oliver. I could not agree with that more. Well, I think I, I'm, I hadn't seen that, and I'm glad you shared that. And I think, yeah, I think, you, you know, and you know this as my friend, um, there, I have passion for a lot of things. And I don't think that walking away from a career was, I mean, oh, my God, yes, I was passionate about it. And I could have continued to do so, but I think at the end of the day, it was the being passionate about other things that let me know that I could go and do something else. And in fact, there was no sadness with it. I looked at it as such a great opportunity to see what else was out there that I could find that I could excel in. Who else could I meet that would enrich my life? Who else? Who else's life could I enrich? And so, I don't know, it's kind of weird. Like, I didn't... Yeah, the joystick and other thing, I... I think that is kind of a tired line. It it is a single-mindedness mm -hmm. type of thing. But um, to anyone listening to this who thinks I'm like, I failed at a career, I don't feel that way at all. I'm like so thrilled that I did it, met the people, and had have, have taken what I've learned there and applied it to my next steps. And then to also love it so much that I'm confident that still every day for the rest of my life, opera will be a part of what I do. I don't know. Maybe you didn't want me to respond to that, Oliver. No, I, that's exact. I mean, it's a conversation that we haven't had on this show. Like, what happens when you feel like it's time to step away? Yeah. You know? And, and uh, even with this podcast, I mean, like, this is like, what, the, the fourth podcast I'm a part? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> I don't die. <laughs> Two minute drill. <sighs> This just in, the two-minute drill. All right, listen up. Here's everything you need to know about what happened in Opera Land this past week. The New York Post has obtained comments that the Metropolitan Opera's general director, Peter Gelb, delivered at a National Institute of Social Sciences dinner where he was being honored. One choice moment was, quote, I've come to realize that there are only three stages of health for singers, catching a cold, recovering from a cold, or suffering from a cold. The, uh, this week, the Paris Opera canceled its premiere performance of Bellini's Il Pirata due to a national strike. Sydney Symphony Orchestra has named Simone Young as its new chief conductor. She'll take up the position in 2022. An article from the Canadian Broadcasting Corporation about a video from France Musique is galvanizing the singer community. The video looks into how menstruation affects the voice. 
Ashley isn't here, so we'll wait until we have a woman on the panel to discuss. Meanwhile, a link to the CBC article can be found on the Good Call, Bad Call page of our website. Congratulations to friend of the show, Sarah Williams, the New Works Administrator of Opera Philadelphia, on being named one of Musical America Worldwide's Top 30 Professionals of the Year. South African soprano Pretty Yende received the Ordine Stella d'Italia. It's an Italian knighthood from the Italian consul in Cape Town last week. Oxford-educated lawyer Matthew Feargreave has been convicted of assaulting fashion designer Ulrich Engler during a dispute over a front-row seat at the Royal Opera House. That happened last year at a performance of The Ring Cycle. Crunching the numbers, the Austrian government has published salaries of major arts leaders, including the artistic director of the Salzburg Festival and the Bregenz Festival, as well as the Vienna State Opera. Opera America has announced it's awarded $220,000 to develop new American operas with seven different companies. Argentina saw an increase in operatic activity in 2019 with 30% more opera performances. Not on the disabled list, Canadian soprano Mesha Brugger-Gossman, who's been steadily giving concerts all around Ontario. She survived a stroke and heart attacks over the past decade. Exit stage right, American pianist Dalton Baldwin, who decided died on December 12, just a few days shy of his 88th birthday. He made more than 100 recordings and won numerous prizes in his time. And on this day, it's the birthdays of Baroque specialist conductor and harpsichordist Trevor Pinnock, American soprano Mildred Miller, British tenor Philip Langridge, also composer Zoltan Kodai, who composed Harionos, he was born in 1882. François Adrien Baldieu, the composer of La Dame Blanche in 1775. And we are almost at the big 250. Beethoven was born in 1770. First performances on this day include Victor Ullmann's The Kaiser from Atlantis in 1975 in Amsterdam. That was for me. Siegfried Wagner's Der Schmeid von Marienburg in 1920. That was for Weston. André Cretry's Zemire et Azor in 1771 in Paris. That was for Oliver. Sorry, Tobias. I got nothing for you. That's your two-minute drill. Topper Box who are on WNUR 89.3 FM and HD1, Evanston, Chicago. George Cedarquist here with Oliver Camacho and Tobias Wright signing off on a five-year career with Opera Box who are almost 200 episodes. It's kind of ridiculous that we, uh, <laughs> we haven't been fired yet. <laughs> it's insane. That clip, Oliver, talk us through uh, the That outro. was just Philip Langridge, one of my favorite tenors who passed away um, before his time, uh, but one of the great British tenors who specialized in Britain and Mozart, as the British tenors tend to do. Mm. They love their English composers, and they love their Mozart. So, As one of my favorite yeah. Christmas carols. But you're Jewish. It's That's okay. You it's can, complicated. You can, still, yeah. you can still, I mean, Carol? if you're Jewish, you can still love holiday music. What I really yeah. love is holiday brass. You know, the trumpet was the first instrument I learned in fourth grade. And holiday brass for me is where it is at. I think holiday brass at like Catholic churches when they don't normally have that type of thing is my favorite hilarious Doesn't overcompensating. Like <laughs> <laughs> Christmas morning, 8 a.m. 
and like people are like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Uh, well, Tobias, we should we should pass the baton over to you first for a, a two minute drill hot take. Um, I I think the salaries are interesting. I mean, obviously, you know, a lot of the salaries that were released, those are state funded organizations, so it's important that they be transparent with where that money is going. Um, I I. I don't know. I, it's hard to say. Is that a fair competition? You know, two hundred thirty-eight thousand dollars. That's pretty good. Or Europe? Well, American dollars. I mean, Dominique Meyer. So I translated the numbers. Dominique Meyer this year. The, he's the director of the Vienna State Opera. Made two hundred seventy-seven thousand dollars. Yeah, it's pretty good. I wanted to attack him, to like say that that was exorbitant, and then when I realized that Peter Gelb makes over two million dollars a year. I had no leg to stand on. I just think it's kind of funny because I know uh, with strikes in the city of Chicago, uh, musicians and their pay have come under, under scrutiny. Screw that. If you if your organization can pay you $2.14 million, they should be paying you if that's what the market demands. Yeah. And if $270,000 a year is what the market demands that you get paid in Europe, then that's what you should get paid. I mean, how does that compare it, to sports coaches? When you think about it. Well, I mean, it's kind of different because obviously arts organizations are, are so underfunded, especially in the United States. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I mean, coaches, it's crazy. They, You know, NFL coaches, Bill Belichick's probably making $12 million a year. So you can't look at it as a, as a hard number. I guess that's the wrong metric. You've got to yeah. look at it as like a, a percentage of their operating yeah. budget. Maybe, yeah, and I think that's like probably that. more fair. And so when you think of $2.14 million, they probably have like a, what, $300 million operating mm-hmm. budget? pretty small percentage i mean when the nfl salary cap is a salary cap is actually much less than the mets budget yeah i mean a salary cap in the nfl i think is 167 million exactly and then belichick's pulling in 12 12, he's making more than a lot saban makes uh down at um he makes like nine million million a year i mean so and those (laughs) given college athletes we don't even pay so i was once at the royal opera house and um drink yeah, I feel like it is a pretty classist place. Mm-hmm. Um, is this the punching thing? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wait, did you get punched? No, I didn't get punched, <laughs> okay. but I did get asked uh, for um, like a coat. Like, I think they thought that I was like coat check because I was just dressed in a black suit and because I'm not white. So um, <laughs> anyway, I remember getting lots of sideways glances from yeah. some of the upper crust people at the opera house. But anyway, just this story about. You know, seat jumping. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm a seat. I'm a seat jumper too. Before I used oh, to get yeah. media comps, I would always migrate to a better seat. But to get into like a fight with somebody, That's like so wild. Yeah, just move. Well, it doesn't. If it's not your seat, it doesn't belong no. to you, right? Like, I didn't read the article. Oh, so there's this guy. Him and his date like had an empty seat next to them, and this other guy tried to get into that third oh. seat. Oh, and they're like, "Did you?" Uh, well, he asked before he went. Do you know if this t- seat is taken? And they're like, it's not your seat. And it just resulted in fisticuffs. So. How very English of you to yeah. say fisticuffs. <laughs> I, I just, yeah. It's not your seat. Like, it's not your job to protect that for someone else. That's like the usher's job. Yeah, exactly. So, so butt out. Or, frankly, go to jail. Is this guy but going, to, that, is he that's going a, to jail? That's a sports thing, too. I jump seats all the time. Yeah. He's a hedge and f- at operas. He's a hedge fund <laughs> lawyer. See, oh, he's doing fine. Yeah. <laughs> Guy deserves... Let's uh, just make all admission general <laughs> admission, and it's like first come, first serve, and you just get Okay, now, after flying Southwest last weekend, I'm not a fan of that either. <laughs> People are garbage. So <laughs> you, <laughs> you need the leg room or what, dude? I just... For your pricey 
uh, Air Jordan ones. These are my <laughs> Nike Air Max. I echo your congratulations to Sarah Williams, who was our interview guest mm-hmm. when we were at Opera Philadelphia. Yeah, good for her. And too bad that Musical America has a paywall, so we can share this article with you all on our website. But it basically just talks about what she's been doing at Opera Philadelphia and how she's ushered in, you know, six years worth of new works there at Opera Philadelphia. And uh, yeah, I mean. I, and in I, addition, her headshot, she's wearing a black leather jacket, which is pretty fresh. And well, she's a she's an ex- exceptional person, and she happens to be beautiful as well. So, I didn't comment on her beauty. I'm just saying. I, well, I mean, you were talking about her appearance, so I figured that's where we were going to go. I'm talking about her wardrobe. Okay. And I'm saying, what a, what a great what a great choice that is. Just looking dope and not looking just like boring. Do you know what I'm saying? Like, of course, you're going to be the director of the New Works Initiative because you Let's look give it up, exciting. George. Yes. <laughs> uh, one, we got one more minute, too. What else do we want to shout out to? I, I don't understand Peter Gelb's thinking behind this. Maybe he was talking into a hot mic and he, and he didn't know what he was saying. This, like, is it all in jest? Is it out of context? It is the New York Post. Yes, I, I understand that. But, like, I don't know why you would tease in a not very funny way, the lifeblood of your organization. Mm. And talking about there's three stages of health for singers. Like this I is agree. this it's is your bread and butter here. Any any time that anything could be viewed as criticism to the artists that are the lifeblood of your organization, mm. you gotta you gotta kinda be careful. But also I mean we singers, too easily triggered. Come singers, on. It's no, a I agree with you. Yeah. Singers are that way and I think it probably was tongue in cheek. Um mm. $220,000 to develop new American operas from Opera American with seven different opera companies. What do you think about that? Is $220,000 enough to develop new operas with Siegel Music Colony, Beth Morris and Music Projects, um, Houston Grand, Lyric yeah, Opera Chicago, yeah. San Diego Opera, and Dallas Opera? I mean, opera? yeah. Well, yes, it's more than zero. So, yes, it's enough it's to, to zero, get anything done. I mean, yeah. I would have loved to have seen a smaller a list of smaller opera companies. Not a smaller list of recipients. I think the number is great. I just you think feel like, like certain large companies that are on there. I have, yeah, yeah. I don't they know. They have I their own know. people to give them two hundred twenty thousand dollars. You know, they cough and then they leave not, it on the floor. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's why that's why I said that number I think it's too small. Yeah. And also divvied up between some of those companies. But I like that Siegel got some money because yeah. Well Siegel and Dallas, there's a lot of Darren yeah. Woods around those fingertips involved yeah. with that. Yeah. So I mean that's that makes some but sense. Still, but Siegel Siegel's is, a young is artist exactly colony, so, right. Yeah. Let's wrap it up. Oh good call. Bad call on Opera Box Score. Sorry Oliver, I think I cut you off. That's there. okay. I can make it part of my good call. So my my real good call is to check out the video on Vox.com about how to make an opera, which is behind the scenes of Akhenaten. We've been talking about Akhenaten for the past year now, but it's a really cool video. It's about eight minutes long, and it shows you a lot of aspects about uh, how opera gets put together that I think are surprising for people who don't really go and are not part of it like we are. My other good call is the recording called Love Songs by Arlene Auger and Dalton Baldwin is easily in my top recordings of all time. Uh, and now that Mr. Baldwin has passed away, it's time to revisit that recording. So check it out. Love songs, Arlene Auger and Dalton Baldwin. Tobias Wright. Uh, my good call is that it's been just one of the biggest blessings of my life to be a part of this community um, in Chicago, uh, be a part of this show, um, and just to really grow up with wonderful people um, like the two of you, uh, like Matt, Weston, Giovanna, Ashley, um, people who have been a part of and supported me and uh, the show and the endeavors. So that's my good call. 
Toby, I got to talk to you about sports. I got to talk to you about opera. I cannot imagine anything better in life. That's it for this week's edition of America's Talk radio show about opera. The general managers at WNUR are Henry Moskal and Somil Songvi. Our announcer is Norm Waddell at voxershorts.com. V-O-X-E-R-S-H-O-R-T-S.com. Our theme song is Vodka Inferno, written and performed by the Diablo Swing Orchestra with opera statistics and on-this-day content from operabase.com. On Facebook, search for Opera Box Score. Be sure to share and comment on our posts. On Twitter, we're at Opera Box Score. Please leave a review when you subscribe to our show on Apple Podcasts. The creative consultant for Opera Box Score is Oliver Camacho. For co-host Tobias Wright, I'm George Cedarquist asking you to continue the conversation about opera and about sports at the same time. We're off for Christmas week, but we're back on Monday, December 30, 9 p.m. Central, when we look at the best and the worst of Opera Land from 2019. Join us. This is WNUR 89.3 FM and HD1, Evanston, Chicago, Chicago's sound experiment.